recording a new episode of the key chat and this is going to be a lovely conversation and i'm going to be a little proper because i have a brit on the line this is a big one for me so <laughs> she has a great accent i think you guys are going to love it so right now i have miss melissa brown of nails desserts and me and melissa are going to have a great conversation just about ways to cope with anxiety so i want to give melissa the floor to introduce herself how are you doing today Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. So give everybody your background. Just start off. Number one, tell everyone where you're from. Okay, so I'm from London. I love I'm it. From, I'm from London, East London. Um, I used to live in North London. I moved back in with my parents uh, a year ago now. Okay, awesome. Um, it's been a challenge um, because of the anxiety and depression that I've faced, but um, it's just for me to stay focused and just to keep going, keep moving forward and mm-hmm. just look after my daughter. I have a daughter, she's five, mm-hmm. going on 15. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just for me to stay focused and just uh, trying my best to overcome the anxieties. Mm. I mean, I've been so I will. I haven't always had anxiety. I haven't always had depression. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed about the back end of two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been fairly new for you. Yeah, yeah. I've had depression in the past, but never on this scale. Mm-hmm. I suppose because with it, I've also had anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've had a, I've had a child to bring up and raise by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just for me, it, I, I mean, I haven't always been a single parent. Mm-hmm. Lily's five of us said, so I was with her, I was with her dad for like 10 years. Um, we was together, we were strong together. We was like the it couple of the family. Everyone kind of was proud of us and what we've achieved and what we've overcame and stuff as a, as a family, as a couple, you know, you have your struggles sometimes, but, um, over time I came depressed I think it was for me it was the pressure of the wedding so much was going on at that time the back end of 2018 Mm -hmm. um so my daughter was um she was in nursery you guys call it kindergarten oh we call it daycare but some of us call it daycare that's the one Mm -hmm. oh okay Mm -hmm. So yeah, she was in nursery, so um, her time was coming to an end where I had to find her a school, so I had to find her a school, I was planning a wedding, then on top of that, it was her birthday, and I'm thinking, everyone's asking what was I doing for the wedding, what school was she going, 
what was he doing for her birthday? And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then obviously there was Christmas. So there was lots going on around the time I did come depressed and work Mm. as well. I was a part-time administrator for a drug and alcohol service in North London. Mm. And it was so stressful. Everything was just on top of me and I couldn't manage. And Do you think that you kind of, you know, like sometimes when you have certain jobs like that where you're working with the public and, you know, they're dealing with things, did you find that you were kind of taking the work home, like emotionally? Yeah. Mm. I mean, for me, it wasn't so much taking the work home in that sense. It was, I was taking the job home. I was doing stuff where I shouldn't really be doing at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the literal sense. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the emotional side where... Because I've been in that field, gosh, seven, six or seven years. Mm. So I'm, I'm always used, I love dealing with the public and I love listening to their stories and helping people. I mean, I've come across some strange people, some lovely people and people in between. But at the same time, I never took on their burdens. I mean, that's their, that's their drama. That's their life, you know, um, but it was just the pressure of the job itself. Being administrator, I was working across three buildings. Um, I was doing the minutes for the massive um, multidisciplinary team meeting. And it was like 70 to 80 pages. I had no time to eat lunch. So it was just constantly on the go. Um, so I just, it was managing. And I was only there two days a week. So my two days felt like a whole week worth of work mm-hmm. I had to cram in for two days plus do stuff at home plus plan for the wedding and it was all on my shoulders I had no support from my um my daughter's father at the time mm-hmm. and he never he never saw that you know I was his assistant oh Mel send me a send my friend a text message but it's your friend why don't I just teach you to text then I don't want to <laughs> no no you can do it you can do it I'm not your PA Mm-hmm. You know, it was getting that kind of petty, and I just don't have time. And mm-hmm. he never understood that. So the more I was withdrawing from these things I had to do, the more he wasn't understanding, and he became very ignorant and very um, aggressive in speech to how I was. He didn't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. So I then became depressed. I said I was fat and ugly. I said, why do you want to marry me? Are you sure you want to marry me? Our relationship deteriorated. Um, poor Lily was in the middle of all this chaos at the time. Um, my mum my mom and dad did help with Lily. They said, you know what? We'll take Lily off your hands for a bit. You have you, you time and, you know, do what you need to do. I had this stack of clothes in her bedroom that I needed to put away. I hadn't done that yet. Or clothes to go through that was too small. I hadn't done that yet. So it was just for me to... So when my mum did take Lily, it was just time for me to be me and understand why I'm going through this. And I always said, it for me, it was like a cocoon. Mm-hmm. So I was in this cocoon-like state where I... And it was funny, I've never read the Bible as much as I read the Bible in the whole time I've been depressed ever. Or not even, even before I was depressed. I never... I did pray and I did go to God for prayer through bad and good. Um, I prayed. I prayed and talked to God all the time, um, or when I would feel a bit, even when it's like blessing, like the blessings I was coming up. Oh, thank God 
for the blessings or even in my, in the lowest times I was like oh god please help me through this mm-hmm. so um and but since I was I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and I felt like I was in this cocoon like state where I was protected I had a roof over my head I had food I had shelter I had clothes and I had water and I had you know I had the basics I had stuff around me to to keep me safe and warm mm-hmm. but at the same time what I was going through I just couldn't figure out what's going on for me mm-hmm. so I came across this email uh, a miracle of a day it's a Christian email and it said about being in a cocoon mm-hmm. And when I saw that, it's like, all right, God's listening, or God's heard my prayer, because I said, what is this, what is this cocoon-like state that I'm in? So Can you, like, detail, like, what do you describe as a cocoon-like state? Like, just disassociating yourself, disengaging, like, can you detail, like, what do you, you know, consider a a cocoon-like state? Yeah, so the cocoon might say to me, so you know when the butterfly goes into the cocoon? Oh, not mm-hmm. the butterfly, sorry, the worm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Goes into the cocoon. And in that state, in that time, you're in the cocoon. You don't know what, you know you're going to come, you don't know what's going to happen to you. For me, it was like, am I going to, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to come out of this or am I not going to come out of this? And and how am I going to come out of this? I don't, I don't see a way out. Mm-hmm. So I was reading the Bible, I was praying to God, and I was just thinking, and I just had to stay in the moment. I had to say, like, right, I'm safe. I'm well. Well, you know, I'm not sick, sick. <laughs> I'm sick mentally, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sick, sick. I'm not ill. Um, I had to then, like, find, find a way of getting around this. It's not forever. It won't last. It's just a moment. And the more and more I thought about it, the more this cocoon, like this shelter, I call it like a shelter, it's like it was keeping me from harm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was your question again? Just what you would describe, you know, as that cocoon-like state. Oh, so for me, how I describe it is... It's, it's hard. I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like so. Obviously, I'm depressed, and mm-hmm. I'm and I can't. I couldn't physically move. I remember one day where I was dressed still. I've never been so still, and I was just sitting sitting in front of the telly, mm-hmm. like from the time I got up the, in the morning to like the time in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I was dressed so still, but I was fine. You know, I had. I had shelter, I was warm. I had, so the cocoon like state for me is just that, is me being still, not moving, but at the same time, I don't have to worry about my outer layer because I know that I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So, so that, if you, if that makes any sense, it's hard right. to explain it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like but, it kind of like protected you from not having to deal with certain things that wouldn't, you yeah, know, trigger yeah. and weigh down yeah. on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I used that time like to find the bit what I'm where I am now. That makes sense. Yeah. So in that so in that space of not moving and not move of no movement, my mind wasn't racing as much as it would be. 
I was I was always saying, oh gosh, look at the time, Lord, I've got, I haven't done anything today, but this particular period, I never did any of that. I was just still with my one thought was like, I'm safe, I'm well, I'm safe, I'm well. That's mm-hmm. all I kept saying. Right. And it's it's hard to explain it into fuller detail. It was just. A moment of time, but I think I was with God in that sense where God was just letting me be aware of what's going on around me, the people that's around me, the family that's around me, who's going who's gonna to be my foundation, who's going to lift me up when I needed that moment of lifting up. Mm. Because at that time, I saw a 360 change in my daughter's father where I didn't have that foundation because he was supposed to be my husband. We were supposed to be getting married and Mm -hmm. he wasn't lifting me up. Right. He wasn't coaching. You know, like some, you know, if you're not, if your other half isn't well or, you know, you see them not doing anything. Oh, for me, it was more like, oh, Mel, do you want a cup of tea? Mm-hmm. Let me help you with anything because I'm a tea drinker. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he could have actually said, Oh, Mel, do you want me to make you a cup of tea? Do you want me to make you anything to eat? Do you want me to help you get dressed, go in the bathroom? I got nothing from him. It was my friend who I went to live with for a, cu- a couple of months who actually got me out of the house. Even though it was going to her house to sit and chat. But it was going to her house, which was, oh, I don't want to get dressed, don't want to get up, don't want to get washed. I don't want to do anything. Right. This is what it was like when you're depressed. But I had that foundation in her. Mm-hmm. She made me get up. She made me leave the house. She attended how many of my doctor's appointments or my blood test appointments I had. Because my, uh, my doctor, we call it a general practitioner over here. Mm-hmm. She's a GP. So... She was like, come, Mel, let me come with you to your doctor's appointment. Let me come with you to, to get your bloods done. And I was like, you sure? I was like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, all right. So, I, she, so she was my foundation. So once I had that in place, and it's funny, God always puts people in your life for a reason. Right. At the right time. Mm-hmm. And it was her, because my mum, I wasn't living near where my mum lived, probably about an hour from where, or, or an hour or so from where my mum lived. So I never really wanted, I, I, she, could, she could have come to my doctor's appointment, but I never wanted her to. She did ask, oh, so do you want me to do anything? No, it's all right, mum. I didn't want her to know how bad I was. Hmm. So I used my, so my friend got, my friend would bring me every day because she saw the change in me. It was, what's going on? What's wrong? And I said to her, well, I'm being diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And she's like, right, we're going to lift you up. You're going to come around here on a daily basis and you're going to help me do bits and pieces around the house. And I was like, well, how's that helping me <laughs> in my predicament when I've got my own things we're doing in my own house? I don't worry about it. You'll, I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you. But yeah. by me going to her house encouraged me to do the same in my house. Now, let me ask you, I know um, I viewed a live that you were on a few weeks ago, and you mentioned a time period after you and your daughter's father 
you know, ended your relationship that you said that there was a period of time that you were actually homeless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last, last February, we, we, we split up. Um, I think it was the 28th of Feb. It was actually the year, the same date as our anniversary that I actually got the coverage up and left. Mm. Um, I had a massive anxiety attack that day. Um, but before that, we had a massive argument. Or it was more of a heated discussion. And um, we had already discussed about um, cancelling the wedding because our relationship wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, look, do you want me to help? I said, can you help me, sorry, with the cancelling of the wedding? Oh, I thought you would have done that already. Ugh. All this pure noise. I was like, fine, I'll do it myself, like everything else in this house. And I went, ran upstairs to get my um, my notepad. And, you know, when you're kind of out of breath, running up the stairs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and with all the frustration in me anyway, because that would have been my second or third anxiety attack. And the more anxiety attacks I was getting, the longer they was going on for. And so I felt a change in my breath where I couldn't get my breath back. So I got my notepad and I just felt really weak. <clears throat> so then I went into I went into the bathroom to sit on the side of the bath to get like to get some air because the window was open mm-hmm. and I just lost it where I couldn't breathe. I was uncomfortable. Um, I was asking him for help and he wouldn't help me. It was really bad. So mm. I had to call my I had to call my friends who I went to stay with and my mum and dad. I had to do that. He didn't know who to call. We was both in the house together and he was so unsupportive. Um, but yeah, it was a it wasn't a nice experience. It just felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm, wow. Yeah, I just couldn't just couldn't get my breath. I've never experienced a panic attack on that scale before. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can laugh about it now because it was only God that got me through that. Um. But I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through that. Uh, yeah. Um, so after that, I had nowhere to go. I had to stay with my friend. I don't know. My friend's daughter said to me about where do I want, you know, are you going to go to your mum's or do you, do you want? I said, I don't want to go too far from Lily's nursery because mm. I want to keep things normal for her. So she said to me that I could stay with her and her mum until I sort myself out. And that's where I was. So I was sharing a bed with my daughter at my friend's house. And I literally had nothing. But I didn't even, yeah, I only had our clothes. And it wasn't even to say that I, um, it wasn't far from um, where I was living anyway it was like the next block along because we we was living in an apartment with um, my daughter's dad but it was just to say that I just wanted to keep things normal for her instead of going to us going to my mum's house 
Mm-hmm. But it would have been like, mm, it's too far for travel. I mean, it was too far for traveling for Lily to go to nursery anyway. But it was just convenience that my friend like put us up. Mm-hmm. So we was there. Hang on. It was probably about three, four, three months. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, mm-hmm. so I know with your page, you mentioned, you know, obviously how you talk about your experiences with anxiety and I know now, obviously, you bake. So what yeah. was your journey from, obviously, growing from that terrible experience and now being to the point where you have utilized things to manage your anxiety? So how did you end up finding that that tool to help you? How did you end up realizing, okay, baking is something that really alleviates and helps me, you know, deal with my anxiety? So where did that come from? So baking has always been a part of my family, um, or cooking. With all food is in my house, <laughs> my family. Um, so yeah, I've always baked with my mum. I had like a pretend cooking show with my mum. I think it was called Millie and Mummy or something. I can't remember now. I was probably about my daughter's age, probably about five. Mm-hmm. And we would make carrot cakes, sponge cakes. My mum was always a baker. My grandma, my mum's mum was always a baker. And when I moved out, I picked up the habit of baking. So if anyone was coming to my house, they'd be like, oh, let me bake a little cake. <laughs> and people would say to me, oh, Mel, you, can, you should start a business. I'm like, nah, nah. Mm-mm. I'm not business-minded. I'm not going to start a business. I'm just going to be a recovery worker and or a drug worker or stay in admin and run a couple of groups because I was um, volunteering I was working part-time and volunteering within the same drug and alcohol company, uh, a charity. So I was like, no, that's all right. I'm not going to start my own business anytime soon. It's cool. But from 2018, my job changed. So we was all tweeted over to a new organi- a, a new organisation and it was hell. Because mm-hmm. we was working with the hospital, was working. So we had all these managers. We probably had about six or seven managers. It was just so chaotic. People didn't know what was going on. We, the staff, didn't know what was going on. I was shouted at. I was screamed at. I was sworn at. And it was just like, you know what? I think now the time is either I look for a new job or I stop. And and then for me, it was just only an idea. So 2018, Mel's Desserts was an idea. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really think about it was just an idea so maybe if I want to you know do it on the side of doing my um like my project work role within the substance species field but as time went on and I was having not having much luck looking for a job and um when I was depressed I made my daughter's birthday cake she had told me already she wanted the strawberry cake with uh, sprinkles and she needed it to be pink and a girly and I'm thinking oh no this sounds <laughs> this sounds atrocious I'm not girly mm-hmm. <laughs> so I baked so I made a couple of cupcakes which turned out to be like 24 cupcakes with a birthday cake and that was the best birthday cake of uh, cupcakes I've ever made wow and it was in that moment of baking I was like right I'm going to incorporate my business with anxiety. I didn't know how. I really didn't know how, if that was even a thing. Um, But I thought maybe, you know, I can, because I feel better. 
not hundred mm-hmm. percent, mm-hmm. but I felt good about bacon, and it came out so nice. It was flavoursome. It was pretty. I I wasn't even focused on the depression or the anxiety. I was breathing. You know, I was right. calm. Mm-hmm. I was. I actually decorated it properly. I got my um my piping bag out, my icing pipe. You know when you do the icing in, because I don't decorate cakes. Mm-hmm. And it was all pretty, and I thought I felt so calm. So I thought, I wonder if I. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I left it. So I left it for a bit. And as the time's gone on, and I was thinking, I can incorporate it because this is how I feel. And if I can make someone else feel better by baking or showing my craft on Instagram, and just talking about my experiences, I mean, at the beginning, I didn't want to talk to anyone about anxiety or depression. Right. You know, I thought that was like a personal a personal journey. I mean, it is a personal journey, but I just didn't want to share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. But the more that I've spoke about it with people, the more I know I'm not on my own. There's someone else out there with anxiety. There's someone else out there with another form of um, mental health. Right. And mental health is such a big, 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 big thing. And I and the more that I'm talking about it, the more that I'm I'm becoming more aware about it and and how it's and by for me by talking about it is just the best therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you see a therapist now as well? Like how like what's other than, you know, obviously you said, you know, bacon is a good coping mechanism for you. Do you seek any other forms of help? Like do you seek therapy, anything like that? I was with therapy. I was so the whole of last year I was I had one, two I had four therapists last year. Um I say three because mm-hmm. it was the same the same organization. Okay. So and I had a one-to-one therapy through work, so that was like the back end. Yeah, that was to the that was January two thousand and nineteen. In it, yeah. So I had therapy through work, and then I um made a refer a self referral to the mental health team for North London, and I spoke to someone there, and then I went on from them. I went on to a family so a young family service help with uh because Lily was also suffering she had I want to say it was more separation anxiety going to bed was a nightmare and she developed this unnatural scream when I was putting her to bed mm-hmm. and it's only I realized she saw daddy going out every night to going out I don't know he said he was going to the shop but I never to the store like a Seven Eleven or whatever, but I never saw him come back with anything. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, Lily saw him leave, and I believe, as my therapist said, she's seeing him leave. So she's thinking that you're gonna leave because she's there telling me, "Oh, mummy, I want you to stay forever. Mummy, you're my best friend. Mummy, please don't leave me. I want you to stay." So around that time of putting her to bed, I was doing roughly 17, 18 hour days because I wasn't sleep. I wasn't sleeping. I was going to bed, say 10, waking up by 3, if not before 3 a.m. and staying awake all that time. Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm putting her to bed, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm exhausted. 
So I had to coach Lily into saying that mummy's going to make a cup of tea or have dinner and then or hang out the laundry and then go to bed. I had to tell her every step of my evening. It might not be true of what I was doing, but just so I could leave her, um, I had to, that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So I then was telling my therapist this. So this is why I had the young family therapist to help Lily with mine and help um, help with my own thing, what I was going through. And I had also a group therapy as well, which was amazing. I was a bit apprehensive at first about joining in other parents with anxiety, mm-hmm. but it just goes to show you that we all was going through same or similar circumstances. Right. Um, relationship breakups or relationships issues, um, things, generational stuff as well. A lot of people were saying stuff from their own childhood or from what they, you know, it's that whole down the line thing, right? The family thing. And it's like, wow, so I'm not actually on my own in any of this anxiety and depression. And this is why I want eventually to have, um, I want to help families, especially black families anyway, because I was the only black mum in the in the in the therapy group, and I'm thinking. So if London is one of the highest mental health thingy percentage for black families, where's the black people? You know, it's right. Like, right? Where where is everyone? I mean, for us in the in the UK, we have free healthcare. Mm. So if everyone can get access to therapy, why don't we use? therapy right right so that's my long-term goal is to be able to help families especially black families um with their own anxieties and depression and I want to have some form of I don't know uh cooking class or Mm -hmm. um some or or not actually cooking but like just making simple little brownies or cookies right um cakes and things and then have while they're in the oven we can come and sit down together and discuss our feelings and what's on our minds, just like a, che- a weekly check-in or whatever, and just work with, work with that. You know, that's what I'd like to do. But right. And it's amazing to- that even though you're in the UK, you touched on something. I still feel like there's a huge stigma amongst Black people, African Americans, mm. and anxiety, mental health. It's just amazing that you're that far away it's like you know you're saying the same thing I I just I don't know like I just think it's really bizarre in a sense you know or just something as minor as therapy I feel like there's still you know some silly stigmas surrounding that too like people act like it's a negative thing to seek therapy and the funny thing is in my experience I feel like a lot of the people that look down upon it are like the main people that need it and they won't do it you know, on the flip side, and some people may disagree with me with this. I had a situation where someone I know, like, she would constantly say, well, so-and-so needs therapy. One thing I will say, in my personal opinion, I think it's actually really rude to tell someone they need therapy, mm. though. Um, I just yeah. think there's a sensitive way to handle yeah. certain things. 
you know so you know so for those of us who are educated enough to say okay i will seek out therapy to work on things i don't feel like Mm -hmm. we're entitled to ever look at someone else and say well you just need to go to therapy for that like i just think that's nasty and rude actually on the flip side that's what my um that's what lily's dad did to me he said oh um go sort out your mental health Mm mm-hmm he I like, just I just think there's a way to handle something like that, and yeah, some people handle yeah. it in the wrong way. Like it could be to the point where it's really nasty, yeah. and I just I'm don't like, feel like I that's something sense. you should throw at a person. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, I am sorting out my mental health. I booked an appointment. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know, and at that time, I was like, but hang on a minute, you're telling me to sort out my mental health, but look at you, who's walking around with all the anger? Right. That's why I think it's a delicate, it's a delicate matter, number one. Um, I do feel like the stigma behind therapy should be removed, but I also feel it should be handled in the right way. You know, like no one has the right to like tell someone, oh, so-and-so needs to go to therapy. I just, I don't know. I just, there's a, a, there's a right and a wrong way. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And we can acknowledge that people close to us maybe should seek help but I think there's 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 just there's a polite way I guess to discuss it I don't think anyone has the right to tell someone oh well you need to go to therapy because I think sometimes people when they do that they kind of put an action on it like it's a negative thing and that's you know or even if they're they may mean well you put like a negative stigma on it or you're coming off as entitled to like okay I have everything together but however this is what I think you need to do you know, so yeah, yeah. There's a right true. and a wrong way I feel to handle that. Definitely, there there is. Um, but it, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a generational thing, because my um, I remember when I first first had therapy when my grandma died. Um, that was 2013 when I first had therapy, and it was like a bereavement counselor, and my. She's more like she's more like my granny, my grandma, and my mum. So this lady, my mum worked with, and has known all her life. She's a a fellow nurse like my mum, and she said to me, "Oh, what you're getting therapy for?" She's Scottish. I can't do the accent, (laughs) but she's like, "What you doing? What what you doing? Getting therapy for?" And Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, but so it's it's not also a, a stigma within the black community there's a stigma also within sometimes the white community as well mm-hmm. because it's like and it's a gen it's an age thing right her generation because she's 70 or now and with that age they don't they just shut up and put up and get on with their lives what we're moaning for you know she i think she saw therapy as me sitting with a stranger and mm-hmm. me telling them, me telling these people my business and it's like, well, it's not like that. I think another thing, and I've mentioned this with other people in personal conversations, I know, like, I don't know how it is in the UK, but I know out here, there's also the religious aspect. So, you know, if yeah, you seek therapy, yeah. you must not be praying hard enough or, you know, your Christianity is a bit wobbly. You know, I I can't stand when people do that, you know, because, number one, I kind of feel like that's two whole different that's two whole different things number one but a lot of people I know like amongst the black community out here in America the ones that kind of look down upon it they tend to throw that religious 
that religious tool too, you know, that religious mm. car. Like, oh well, you know, you you did if you were if you were saved, you wouldn't have those problems. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're supposed to just pray about it, you know. And I don't knock prayer. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people are like that, you know, and I don't knock prayer, you know, and I definitely don't want to offend people over the whole subject of prayer because it gets very touchy, especially amongst the mm. black community. But you still need to seek professional help on any circumstance and I just feel like I feel like people take the whole notion of prayer and they weaponize it sometimes Mm. you know oh well you you have these problems so you didn't pray on it you know (laughs) (laughs) I just wish we wouldn't weaponize prayer because it kind of actually when people do that you're deducing the whole power of prayer as it is because you just put someone down over their circumstances and you've just judged them on you know how powerful their prayers are like that's really you know that's really sad (laughs) yeah it is sad it is but for me I do I mean yeah I'm not gonna say that I don't pray I do pray Mm -hmm. but I also needed therapy right people are human (laughs) yeah yeah and that's okay to be human you know We, we are not all spiritual beings Correct. And sometimes prayer isn't doesn't feel like enough. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, for me, I had I needed. I remember having a sleep diary. I had to have an eating journal. I had to have a a mindful journal. And it's like you know what, all these different journals are too much. So I started to pray about it. Mm-hmm. And slowly, slowly, yeah, I've changed my mindset. But that was through therapy and with prayer. It was a bit of both. I ain't going to say it was one or the other. Right. You know. I just feel like this. People should do whatever they're comfortable with in order to get to the other side of their problems, other things that they're struggling with. And to not be ashamed of it and also don't allow people to judge, you know, how you choose to handle your problems. You know, I mean, I go on and on about some of the pious people and hypocritical people I know in my life, you know, Mm. and like I said, a lot of times those are the main people that really should speak to a professional, actually, you know, and maybe to get to the root of their meanness and, you know, their over pious personas, like, because to me, that's also a form of some level of mental illness, too, where you've taken if you take something as you know as beautiful as praying if you weaponize that that's kind of terrible (laughs) so just to round out what would like what what would you want people to take away from this so obviously you know like you mentioned what you've gone through and with your anxiety and your depression and luckily for you like you mentioned you found a coping mechanism and you found something that Mm -hmm. works and sticks for you and that is bacon and not only have you found you know a love of the bacon like you said you already had it but you realize the connection with your love of bacon and growing that into a business so for people who are listening and you know they're dealing with anxiety and stress and right now I feel with the pandemic it has it's a trigger and I think for people who are regularly dealing with anxiety it's you know it's obviously a trigger and for some people who may not have really truly dealt with this level of anxiety before some people are probably Mm. dealing with some new forms of anxiety or some maybe this may be their first experience struggling with anxiety what would be your main thing that you would want someone to take away from this conversation on just finding a way to cope with their anxiety 
instant just not be depressed you know to find some ways yeah, to get through it I because think, i think right now what? it's important to find that silver lining so what yeah. would you say i mean for me i found things that i loved to do it wasn't just baking mm-hmm. it was for me it was journaling writing stuff down um dress I, I write poetry as well but i haven't written for a while um but yeah it was finding things that you love to do I talk about in my blog and me having a blog actually mm-hmm. is another form of therapy because I don't I can say what I want <laughs> mm-hmm. without being judged or criticized I do have a new blog post at the moment called it's okay not to be okay dedicated to women and that's just me saying um the things what I'm going through and also removing the negativity from your thoughts and your mind and just by having conversations with yourself like say saying things how are you just checking in with yourself how Mm -hmm. are you Mm -hmm. how are why are you feeling just have that kind of deep and meaningful conversation with yourself and ask yourself why are you depressed Mm. don't be afraid to aren't it's only you you're having this discussion with yourself. You you can't fight yourself. You can't argue with yourself. You're going to sit down and you're going to ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? What's happened for me to be feeling this way? And think of things that, how can I overcome this? Mm. How can I move forward from this? How can I make myself happy again? Because this isn't, I mean, for me, anxiety, as I said before, anxiety is new to me. And I've had depression before, but I've overcame the depression. Mm-hmm. So I had, I mean, a couple of weeks ago before I got my T-shirt order, I was depressed. I felt really, really low. Mm. And the sun was out and my mum my and, and my dad and my daughter were in the garden laughing and kicking, and I wasn't involved <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking I had to have that discussion. I had to have that, that, that talk. I had to, Mel, what's going on? Mm-hmm. why are you feeling like this you know your business is doing it's slow but you know you've just started again of course the pandemic and the pad and the pandemic is so 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 scary it is right but you're gonna have to find something to keep your mind off it don't yes. I, I don't watch the news I don't I know what's going on by the um alerts on my phone that's enough for the news I need to know mm-hmm. I'm not watching I mean, we do have CNN and Fox News over here, but for us, it's Sky News and BBC News and ITV News. But I don't watch the news. I mm-hmm. don't read the newspaper. I've actually got to the point where I shut off the COVID. I've had to shut it off. Right. Because the government, I know for you guys, you've got Trump. And <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That man's, just, <laughs> that man's just, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Can we just vote him out now? <laughs> Imagine if, you know what's the sad part? I think that people who, we have political anxiety over here. Yeah, so it's like, even a, even people I think who don't have anxiety maybe over their finances or their family or their health, if anything, it's the anxiety of having someone like this it, over yeah. our it's livelihood. True. And, you know, it, that's a level of anxiety that's like, 
indescribable because I think a lot of yeah. us have never experienced this before. You know, yeah. like we've, yeah. no one has leaders that they think are perfect, but I, I think this is something that a lot of us we've never experienced in our lifetime. So that alone causes a lot of stress, definitely. And it's, it is scary. I get that. It is. This is why you have to shut off the news. As my thing is, yeah, because I with Boris Johnson, can't stand the man, and I'm not. I'm not into politics either, but he doesn't know half the time what's going on in this country and we ain't half the size of America. Mm-hmm. So for me, as long as I am safe and, and I know what I'm doing to keep myself safe and my family safe, I wipe down everything when I go grocery shopping. I, I get all my shoes, all our shoes. I wash my hands regularly. I wipe down surfaces. I clean. You know what I mean? It's just... As long as you're keeping safe and keeping your distance, I'm not attending any... I'm not going to no one's house. Um, and I haven't been to anyone's house. Um, if, I, um, if I'm meeting with my bestie, my best friend, um, we do the social distance hug, which is from a distance. Um, you know, we just keep each other safe. And this is what I've done from the get-go. And I'm staying safe. I haven't followed their rules and regulations yeah I am wearing the mask when I go out obviously mm-hmm. but it's just it's just that you have to be mindful that you can't you can't follow these politicians you really can't as long as you're doing whatever you're doing safe and that you're keeping your distance you're you're obviously following the rules and regulations of this new pandemic stuff and the social distance and the meters and the blah 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 right you, you're just you just do what's best for you because mm. it's not all the time that you can follow the politician's rules. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes as long sense. As, as long as you're staying safe, and this is what I've adapted to, as long as I'm safe, as long as I'm keeping my distance, no one come. I mean, one of the mums from my daughter's school, I made, um, I made the cheesecake and I had some left over. And, she, and I said you could have some because mm-hmm. it's only a little slice. So she come up to me the next day and gave me a hug. And I was mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, we are not from the same household. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. Excited. It's just, I think the thing I know for me personally, it's just hard to comprehend that. You know, like we can't yeah. be near people anymore. We can't really hug them. You know, someone, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to comprehend. You know, even though I see some people, they kind of like don't necessarily follow the rules. I'm not at that point. Like, I'm not that comfortable, period. You know, like, you know, so I just think everyone's on on these different levels of anxiety. And then I think some people that, you know, maybe that's their way of coping. Like, I think that's what has caused problems for some people because it's really hard for them to truly mm-hmm. not be around certain people or whatever. I think, you know, so some of them, they're having a hard time dealing with it. And that's why I think I see some people, they're kind of like, screw it. They're going to do what they want, whether that's yeah. the best thing to do or not. I don't know. I just feel like this is just such an uncertain time where I think, like I said, none of us has, have dealt with this before. It's so too, yeah. everyone's trying to figure felt- out their way. This as well, I've noticed with the beaches and stuff, it's like, are people really thinking that they can't get, they can't get it? Is this why they're they're sitting on beaches and sitting in parks and things? Are they there thinking, oh, it's not going to happen to me? 
Yeah, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, which it amazes me, but a lot of people Mm. really are under that mind frame. They truly think they can't get it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, there is a big pandemic. This has never happened before. Right. And it's not just America and it's not just the UK. It's global. Mm -hmm. This is on a global scale. Right. It has shut down the whole Right. And it's like, are you that? What is wrong with you? It's, I mean, it's like, what? How are you thinking? I, I can't get right. it. Uh, right. Really? I don't get it. I don't get that mentality. It's like, right. Can you hear me? They're not following right. the guidelines. Right. I don't know. This is a strange period. Um, so what would you like to be your last and words before we end everything? And then also make sure you give everyone your contact information where they can reach a blog, where they can find you on Instagram, any web pages you may have. Make sure you give everyone your information too. Okay. So my last final word is for you all to really, really, really just enjoy doing the stuff that you love to do. And as long as you are safe and staying positive, and for me, I meditate. You can do meditation, yoga. There's all sorts of videos and music on YouTube. This is my go-to. I I sleep with YouTube on on a nightly basis. So that's how I get to sleep. But Mm -hmm. there is mindful meditation. There's all sorts of all sorts of things on youtube to stay um to just keep you keep grounded you know Mm. it's difficult times we all know and you just have to find the things to stay positive find the things in your lives that you love to do doodling sketching drawing poetry painting some some form of creativity just to keep you focused and stay away from the media Please. <laughs> right, right. Make sure you give everyone your contact information. So my contact information, I am on Instagram and that is uh what is that now? At Mel, so it's M E L S underscore dessert. My uh my blog page is on Wix site on is on the Wix site, so it's y s s i m b dot Wix site, which is w i x s i t e dot com forward slash Mel's desserts, and desserts is spelled d e s e r t s on on my blog page. It's not double s. What else am I on? I'm on Pinterest. I don't know my details of Pinterest, but I'm sure if you type in Mel's desserts, it will come up. And the same for Facebook. Okay, yes. perfect. Thank you I so much for this kiss. conversation. I haven't finished yet, sorry. Oh, sorry, you got a lot. <laughs> I also, I have just recently launched last week my Mel's desserts t-shirt. And today, this is an exclusive, I have oh. Mel's desserts aprons available. So I will be posting them as well and all my outlets and her aprons are really cute that's for everyone listening i got a sneak peek <laughs> last week <laughs> they're extremely Thank cute you. 
I love thank you so much I'm so happy that you're able to come on and thank you for just being so honest and letting people know your journey and I really do hope that people that listen to this episode they're really taking the conversation and one thing I did like that you mentioned how you mentioned like a few weeks ago like you had a moment I think what some people don't understand is like if they're having some issues with anxiety or depression that Mm -hmm. you know they're going to seek help and poof it's going to go away forever like you know that's how you cope you know like it's it's not going to be every day is not going to be perfect and and every day is not going to be the same right exactly every day is not going to be the same there's going to be a stressor right around the corner yeah you know but you have this you can you have the strength you can make it and don't beat yourself up either if there's a day where you're like okay this day absolutely sucks you know i've had enough the beautiful part is that day will end and you'll have another day that'll be better but yeah you know it's just important for people to understand that you know when you have anxiety or just you know you're gonna have good or bad days I mean that's just the reality you mm, know yeah, so you can't beat yourself up when you have a bad day let's say the week prior was just the greatest week ever mm. I mean you know, that's just a part of life you know so you can make it but do not beat yourself up and seek people who I'm going to encourage you and who you can have raw conversations with. Don't, you know, don't pour into people who are going to make you feel bad for what you're dealing with. Like you have to remove those toxic elements. And I say it all the time. Negative nonsense. Negative Nancy's and negative Nathan's. We don't need you, thank you. <laughs> right. That energy is toxic <laughs> it and is toxic. it will seep into you and it will halt your progress. So yeah. it's important to be a people who are non-judgmental, who you can be yourself with, you can be transparent, and you have to do what's comfortable for you. And yeah. there's no reason to feel bad about therapy. If anyone makes you feel bad about it, you need to cut them off too. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, like true. your mental health, your happiness, keeping a good energy should be one of your top priorities, if not your utmost priority. And anyone that's going to hinder that or any element that will hinder it, you should do some reviews and remove them accordingly because mm. you're worth having the best in your life. So thank you. I again, do talk Alyssa. about that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I do talk about that in my one of my blog posts about um, self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Like you have to you have to look within yourself and see what's right. working and what's not working, and that that's including relationships too. I mean, I'm right. I'm lucky that I have. I've had my best friend throughout my whole of my life. So whatever nonsense or rubbish I've put myself in, she's always been there. And I've known her since I was three. Mm-hmm. And there's two other girls. I've got three main friends that I go to for everything. You know, and they've always been there. They've all and they're all so so supportive. If if they weren't supportive, they've gone. All the negative people in my life I've got rid of. They've not, they're right. not for me. Right. And this make is, no apologies. We yeah, need to start no living apologies. life intentionally. Make no apologies for just because you're looking after yourself. You need to be looking. This is why my motto is self-care, self-love, self-worth. Yes, you need to start yes. looking after yourself. You need to start loving yourself. It's, and be selfish with that. exactly and that's the thing it's not selfish and that's the thing we need to I think a lot of us are conditioned when we do anything for ourselves like it's something negative it's it's not selfish it's It's necessary it's a priority it has to happen yeah it really is and people say oh you're so selfish you know 
No, I'm not selfish. I've done it for me because I had to. I've removed right. certain people from my from my circle because I've had to, or I've let right. people go because I needed to because there was no good for me. They may be good for you, but they may but they're not good for me. You know, exactly. being that being self aware is so important. Right. So you guys heard it, and you know how in that every show, please go love yourself. You're worth it, and. Don't let anyone make you think anything less of yourself. So thank you so much, Mel. Thank you, Sandra. Love okay. you lots, darling. Love you too. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Q Chat Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Queen's Arrogance LLC. Our company website is www.goqueen.com.